I bind unto myself today the strong name of the Trinity, by invocation of the same, the three in one, and one in three. So begins a hymn which tradition tells us was written by St. Patrick of Ireland, way back in the fourth century. We have fragments of it, at least from the ninth century, but evidence of it goes back to the saint himself. And it's traditionally sung on Trinity Sunday in the Anglican world to remind each Christian that he or she is not his own, but was bought with a price, and has the privilege of being both a bondservant and a beloved child of God. We're now in the second part of the church year. I don't know how many of you pay close attention to that, but the first half of the church or ecclesiastical year comes to an end with the ascension of our Lord and Pentecost. Pentecost is that turning point that's the hinge point where we go from talking about the life of Jesus and his wonderful acts of salvation and focus rather on the doctrines of the church on the teachings of Jesus, on the things that bring us into union with God. Just before he ascended, our Lord Jesus Christ commissioned the apostles, saying, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always even to the very end of the age. We heard last week on Pentecost, that great feast where we celebrated the Holy Spirit's coming, that Jesus and the Father send the Holy Spirit to equip the disciples to do just that, what God commissioned them to do. And of course, by extension, to equip us to do what God has commissioned us to do, baptizing and teaching and proclaiming the gospel. In today's sermon, we're going to look at, three, look at three ways that the Holy Spirit led and leads the Christian, you and I, into all truth. But I want to start by reading John 16, verse 13. Jesus says, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak of his own on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. So the Holy Spirit, we're told by Jesus, is to lead into all truth. That's one of his purposes. But that purpose is accomplished in at least three different ways. Number one, it's accomplished in a revelation. The revelation actually comes right after that verse, right? Verses 14 and 15, Jesus says, He, that is the Holy Spirit, will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And then the next verse, verse 15, All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. That's the first lesson. That's the first fixed truth. That the Holy Spirit leads us into that revealing of the fact that God is three in one. The Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three persons in one. The second and third way 
that the Holy Spirit leads are ongoing. So the leading of the Holy Spirit of each son or daughter to adhere to the truth of the Trinity. So the second way the Holy Spirit leads is to lead us to adhere to the fixed truth of the Trinity. And the third way that the Holy Spirit leads each and every Christian to walk and therefore lead others to know God through the doctrine of the Trinity. So again, the Holy Spirit leads into all truth in three ways. First, establishing the doctrine of the Trinity, revealing who God is. Second, causing us to adhere to that as Christians. And third, helping us walk in it so that we might lead others to this saving. The revelation of the doctrine of the Trinity, and all three of these indeed, is on is, is on show for us in Acts chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to open up to Acts chapter 2. It's not one of today's readings. Acts chapter 2. And what's going on at this point in the book of Acts? Well, the Holy Spirit has come upon the disciples and indeed is leading them into all truth. And Peter is leading those listening on this Jewish feast into truth. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 23. I'm going to skip around a little bit for sake of time. Peter is preaching and says, This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pains of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. This Jesus, continuing with verse 32, this Jesus was raised up, and of that we are witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this, so that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. And then jumping down to verse 37 of chapter 2, repent and be baptized every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. So you see here within Peter's very first sermon at Pentecost, we have a creed. Did you catch it? We have a creed. The beginnings of the explanation of the Holy Trinity, to the point that we as mortals are able to comprehend it. These truths, which our Lord first references in today's gospel reading, are expounded upon by the good apostle, declared for the first time here on Pentecost. But St. Peter, we see, also is led and leads in the second and third way that the Holy Spirit leads into truth. Peter has been transformed and given a holy boldness to adhere to the faith. We talked about that last week. This Peter who denied Jesus three times now is standing up in the middle of a Jewish feast. Think of the boldness that this would take to stand up by the temple in the middle of a Jewish feast and talk about Jesus who was killed. This is a different man. And so the Holy Spirit is causing him to adhere to the faith of the Trinity and also empowering him to proclaim it. The Holy Spirit is leading him into all truth. What is the 
what is this truth that we're talking about? Again, it's the Holy Trinity. And so that first part of that holy truth that we're led into is complete. We don't participate in the first part of it. We only believe it, right? We're not writing the scriptures. We're not writing the creeds. We're adhering to them, yes, and we're empowered by them, yes, but we're not writing them. That truth is fixed and established. And those things, the apostles, the Nicene, the Athanasian Creed, that God is one substance and three persons, and the various workings of that Holy Trinity are fixed. St. Peter, the apostles, the church fathers, are led by the Holy Spirit into the essentials of the faith. That is, all the truth. Speaking on the Gospel passage, chapter 16 of John's Gospel, verses 12 through 15, commenter and pastor D.A. Carson, as well as the premier Greek scholar of the 20th century, Bruce Metzger, both agree that 1612 has to be in agreement with John 14:26. So let me just read this for you quickly. Once again, so... Today's Gospel, 1612, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now, Jesus says. For when the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. We'll stop there for the moment. That idea, the Holy Spirit guiding us into all truth, has to be read in the context of John 14:26, where Jesus says, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, and, this is important, bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. Now why am I belaboring this point so much? Why am I saying that this first leading of the Holy Spirit is fixed for the Christian? It's not developing. There's not new revelation. Why am I saying that? Well, because there are many who twist this passage and claim to have new revelation, the claim that the Holy Spirit is doing a new thing and revealing something new, that God somehow changed his mind, right? We have an entire uh, group of people in this country, the Mormons, right? Or the, another group, the Jehovah Witnesses. And to that we could add many mainline churches today who think that God is still speaking. One of them even uses that as well, their mantra, right? Well, it's a half-truth. He is still speaking, but he's not changing his mind. God doesn't change his mind. This truth of the Trinity is fixed. And innovations that are unsupported by the teachings of Jesus and the Bible are not the guiding of the Holy Spirit. And as your pastor and shepherd, I have to remind you of that. Don't be hoodwinked by such claims. There's no new revelation on who God is. God is who he is. That's fixed in the Trinity. And anything that claims that he's doing something different, that's contradicting his word and scripture, is not of him, but rather of the prince of this world. Why does that matter to the Christian? Because it can easily cause us to find ourselves shipwrecked in our salvation. So Jesus gives the metrics for evaluating New, for evaluating teaching, rather, not new teaching, but for evaluating teaching. By the witness of the Holy Spirit, 
the truth of the church Catholic, that is the church universal, has been preserved for us, again, by the Holy Spirit, to be delivered to us by the saints so that we might deliver it to future generations. By the witness of the Holy Spirit, the truth of the church Catholic continues in us, both in person, in the person of the Holy Spirit, and in belief, in the belief in the Trinity. And therefore, we bind ourselves to the Trinity, through the scriptures and the creeds, because they are the things which the Holy Spirit uses to lead us, primarily. It's God, the Holy Spirit, after all, who inspires the prophets to speak. It's God, the Holy Spirit, who inspires the scriptures to be read. It's God, the Holy Spirit, who inspires the church to summarize scriptures and the creeds. It's God, the Holy Spirit, who inspires the church <clears throat> not just to proclaim the creeds, but to preserve them and pass them along, along with Holy Writ. So friends, don't be hoodwinked and know this, that you stand on solid ground in your belief in the scriptures and the creeds, in that trinity, the holy trinity, and all that it's done for you and is doing in you. So let's look at the second point, that we are led into all truth by the power of the Holy Spirit to adhere to the faith. Notice, we bind ourselves to it, but we're also given grace to adhere to the faith. Right? Our faith is firmly anchored. It's on the bedrock of God's word and the summary of the creeds. But it's not a stagnant faith either. It's not a disengaged or an inactive faith. But the Trinity gives the Christian, through the Holy Spirit, the ability to walk in that faith, or rather to adhere to the faith, to walk in it too, but that's the third point, to adhere to the faith. So this second, in the second sense, the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth by persistence, giving us a grace to persist in it. Right? He's guiding us. He's converting us. He's working on our hearts. He's changing our passions, our desires, our attitudes, so that we adhere. St. Paul writes to the church in Rome in chapter 8, verse 38 and 39, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is a promise. Amen, indeed. That is a promise that we can cling to because it's clinging to us. He's upholding us. So, we're led daily in that power. And we adhere and bind ourselves to God by study, by actually reading God's Word on a daily basis, by prayer, by talking to Him regularly on a daily basis, even beyond daily, multiple times a day, by gathering together in sacramental community. As Anglicans, we aspire to read through the Bible, don't we? If you're following the prayer book, you're reading more scripture than any other denomination. I promise you that. If you're reading the daily office lectionary, you're reading through the Word of God every year, the whole Word of God, and you're getting at every service Four readings from Holy Scripture, an Old Testament, a New Testament, a Psalm, a Gospel, and of course there's more, 
right? They're all throughout the prayer book. Look at the citations. You're hearing God's word. And that is so that you might adhere, that you might be formed in such a way that you cling to God. It's intentional. Psalm 119, in verse 11, the psalmist writes, How shall a young man cleanse his way? By ruling himself according to your word. While my whole heart, with my whole heart, heart I sought you, oh, let me not go astray from your commandments, the psalmist continues. And then he concludes, your words have I hidden within my heart that I may not sin against you. Your words have I hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you, that I might adhere to you. So our relationship with God through Scripture is what provides that foundation and the primary instrument for being led by the Holy Spirit in God's will. It's very simple. If you're not reading God's word, it's very hard for God to talk to you. If you're not reading his word, it's very hard to talk to you. Now, sure, he can. Look at St. Paul on the road to Damascus. But that's not the usual way he speaks to us. So it's important that we're in his word And when you're looking into an issue in your own life, an issue of morality or wisdom or how to judge relationships or actions, the first question should be, what does the Bible say about this? Not, what do I think? Or what do my friends think? Or what does that meme on Facebook say? Or what's the newspaper say? Or what do the experts, quote-unquote, say? But rather, what does God's Word say? What does God's word say about this? The better you know your Bible, the easier it is to apply it, right? Because your, your mind just goes there. It's, you've hidden it into your heart. Now, fortunately, we don't have to rely on that. We have this wonderful gift. Most of us have multiple ones sitting around our house, right? In our car, so that we can open it. And in the back of Scripture, there's this nifty thing called a concordance, right? You can look up things like worship, and come up with Genesis 22, 1 Chronicles, Psalm 22. So we are able to search God's word so easily today, friends, but do we go there first? And of course, there's always Google, too, although you have to be a little careful with that. Ask yourself, what does God's word have to say about this subject? And read the context of what's going on. That's important, too. But you have been given the power of the Holy Spirit to bind yourself to the Trinity in belief. In belief. And he promises to lead us into all truth. You can take that to the bank. So the third point, the Holy Spirit leads the Christian into truth with power to grow in understanding and share it. St. Paul writes to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Once again, notice here we have another Trinitarian doctrine on display, that it's the the Lord, right? The Lord God Almighty, through the working of the Holy Spirit, who transforms the human heart into the image of Christ. So friends, this isn't like exercising necessarily where you are building yourself up spiritually, although you do play a part in binding yourself to God. But God is working in you 
God is promising to help you. God is promising to walk with you as you grow in knowledge and in love. The Holy Spirit is guiding your minds, in my mind, when I'm willing Him to. And He's guiding our hearts. He's at work to change our attitudes, our desires, our emotions, our passions, so that they become in alignment with God instead of with me. You see, it's something that's done to you as well as adhering, helping you adhere. There's a transformation. The great St. Augustine, bishop and doctor of the church, says this. He says, But when what is known, in however small measure, is also loved, by the same love one is led on to a better and fuller knowledge. If then you grow in the love that the Holy Spirit spreads abroad your heart, he will teach you all truth. As, or as other codices have it, he will guide you into all truth. That is to say, lead me in your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. He quotes Psalm 86, verse 11. What's the good doctor saying? That, that the transformation of us as Christians goes on in our mind, but it also goes on in our heart. And the two actually work together for us to know and love God even more by the power of the Holy Spirit. The prophet Jeremiah, in, verse, in chapter 21 of his book, and confirmed in Hebrews chapter 8, says this, No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. Friends, that has been fulfilled in the church, that no longer do we tell one another, know the Lord, for you have the Lord in the Holy Spirit at work in you. He's at work in you. And that Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts, transforming us to know and love God himself. And the more that we know God himself, the more that we're able to reflect on a relationship with him and help others see him too. So the Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts through his word, but he also speaks to us in particular direction. Haven't you ever had the urge, you need to pray for that person right now, just pop into your head? Or, I want you to text such and such a person because they're feeling low. Or, she needs some encouragement right now. Or, he needs you to remind you of this scripture, my truth to him at this point in his life. You ever have that happen? Where you get little prods, prods of head and heart? That's the Holy Spirit talking to you. We don't always know why he does either. Sometimes we don't know why he's saying to pray or to talk or to proclaim to people. But this too is being led in the truth. You see, the Holy Spirit gives holy wisdom and discernment to help us be active in our faith. And so it's not just a stagnant belief in what God is and who we are in Him, but it's an active belief in being shaped by Him. The Holy Trinity is very much at work in you, my dear fellow Christian. It's the very workings of God and His plan 
to help us work out our own salvation in him by his grace for ourselves and for generations to come. And of course, it's an assurance that the Godhead has planned this from the very beginning. It's not chance that rules our lives, but the Lord himself. So be assured by the Trinity's authority and might revealed to us in the faith. Be assured that you stand on solid, fixed ground in his word and creeds. Be certain of your salvation, that the Holy Trinity is ever supporting you by his grace in your walk. And be comforted, friends, and emboldened by the Holy Trinity's grace of certain hope a certain hope, that hope that we saw both in Isaiah and in Revelation, that at the end of days we will be with him in the throne room of grace. Be comforted in your daily walk and encouraged and praise God for revealing himself to us, for keeping us his own and for leading us to that eternal presence. Bind yourself to God and invoke him daily, knowing that he will uphold you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.